The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Welcome, Boston. I'm your host, Larry Higginbottom. The name of our show is Optimism Trenches. You're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM Boston. I'm your host again, Larry Higginbottom. Name of my program is simply Observation of the Trenches. And the purpose of this here program, you know, I'm a licensed clinician. I work with families with some are called wraparound wind folks home for the last 22 plus years. I've gotten to see where a lot of things is not working for African American. And I want to focus on that group, not, uh, Got issues with no group. I'm not against no group, but our group now is a permanent underclass. I find it very daunting that for people who've been there for 403 years, we now are permanent underclass. All groups are getting focused, all groups are getting effort, and we are being just totally ignored. So I want to have a show where I speak about issues that, that are confronting this community. Uh, not got an issue with no, with no group. Not, not disparaging any group, not against no group. But when you've been for four, four and three years and you're now a permanent underclass, I think someone needs to a, give attention to your group because we are the most vulnerable. And I don't think that we should be coupled with uh, Hispanics who are coming here in the last 15, 20 years. And the reason being, they are coming in freely. And the things that are going on in their country, although undesirable, really is not our issue. Really, it's not our issue because we have been fighting for four and three years to be treated and dealt with as full-fledged citizens with all the personal benefit of whiteness. That it mean that means employment, contracts, capital, financing, etc. But our group, for some reason, right, always has been met with stern opposition and pushback. <clears throat> so I want to speak about topics that are affecting our group and things that we must do. So my today's topic is reparation is the only solution to close the racial wealth gap. Again, reparation is the only solution to closing the racial wealth gap. We were told that if we were to focus on getting educated, it would close. If we bought homes, it would close. If we was better savers, it would close. If we mimic other immigrants, it would close. It was better at doing anything, it would close. And economists has now come to the conclusion that all those things were erroneous. Nothing is going to close the racial wealth gap because of the 267 years of enslavement. Coupled with another 100 years of the Black Holes and Jim Crow. The disadvantage is so severe that no matter what you do, is not going to compensate for that without reparation. And reparation is not something that, A, that uh, you or you are begging for or that it's a giveaway. 
Reparation is when there's a debt that's owed. We are in this, this dilemma because of laws and policy. We are disenfranchised by laws. We are a disadvantaged group by laws. That's all fact. Slavery was law. Laws. Jim Crow, right, the black holes, from 1865 to 1965, 100 years, right? Those are all laws written. And so again, one should also bear in mind during this time, right? Our country, America, was a barren, right, undeveloped land. So imagine if we'd have been allowed to participate and acquire assets without man-made impediments, where we'd be today. We'd be one of the most wealthiest group in this country. And the reason being, we were here from day one. We were here from day one. And so because of these laws that precluded my group, American-born blacks, from participating, acquiring assets, land, etc., engaging in commerce, you know, developing business, we have been deliberately, deliberately handicapped. And so everything that I've read, okay, all point to reparation. And reparation is not against the white community because people only did what the federal government allowed them to do. I repeat, People do what government allows them to do. States did what government allows them to do. Cities did. Churches, all who benefited off of our predicament, were allowed to do it because the federal government okayed it via laws. So it's only fitting the reparation must be the obligation of the federal government. Case in point. Native American, they get reparation. Every year in the federal budget, there are billions of dollars that are assigned to that group. Why? Because the federal government allowed these folks to be slaughtered and their land taken. So as compensation, they are now in the federal budget, in the federal, federal budget. But isn't it ironic that the people who you forced to provide the labor that create the wealth are met with constant opposition and push and pushback. If you and I started any endeavor today, the first question we got to ask: Who's going to do the labor? Labor is very important, but it's not ironic that for the American blacks or American descendants of slaves. We are met with pushback on anything that remotely would benefit our group, met with pushback and opposition. But the group that you slaughtered to take their land, okay, they get reparation every year in the federal budget. And all the research I've read, economists have come to this conclusion. There is no other way to make the American black whole other than reparation. And it's going to take decades and centuries for that to occur if you have a comprehensible plan at that. So again, my purpose is to put out, put out into the airways 
to my community, American-born blacks, that you're not going to be able to have your children be competitive without preparation. And the reason being, most groups, whites and others, right, their kids have an advantage with inheritance, wealth. They're leaving them wealth. American black right now have no wealth. There's no inheritance. And matter of fact, economists are saying that by 2033, no, 2053, that American-born blacks are going to be a wealthless group in America. That includes now, when they, when they do when they crunch the numbers, that include Oprah, you know, uh, Tyler Perry, all these high-income uh, celebrities. They had everybody's income up, and they have come to the conclusion at today's projection, even with them in, in the mix, that the, that the group as a whole is going to be worthless. What can you do in a society that's race-based with no wealth? And where America really is about who owns and controls it, dictate the show. That's just fact. So again, if you don't own nothing, you don't control nothing, you still remain what? Indebted and a slave because you don't own any assets. And so what I'm saying for us to really think about, it's going to take a grassroots, a grassroots effort for this thing to gain, gain momentum that we really need to start to a really push for, not just a study, but to have economists come up with a figure. And they could use either the land that was promised and was not provided or the labor. Given the labor, you know, what number would the federal government be indebted to our community for? We don't need any more research. We don't need any more books written. It's clear that we were harmed by these laws. No, we, we was not trifling. We was not lazy. We was not no count. We had impediment created by man based on race. And our country is a race-based society. Despite you seeing all these, these nice slogans, you know, about inclusion, diversity, diversity, multiculturalism, social justice, equity, all those things, none of those terms address the fundamental problem. You don't own anything. Even take inclusion. Well, you include it, but well, guess what? You don't own an asset. Perfect example. Think about Colin Kaepernick, the football player. Highly compensated guy making millions. He took a stand. And although many agreed with him, right? But when they saw how he was ostracized and how he was uh, attacked upon by, uh, you know, uh, elements out there in the community and that he lost his contract and was barred from playing football, although many... In, the, in that same arena, many football players agree with him in principle. None are willing to put their livelihood on the line. And I understand why. Most of our people come from what I call humble beginning, meaning their parents had no wealth. There was no inheritance passed down. 
So when you are lucky enough or fortunate enough to make the NBA, ABA, or, you know, uh, NFL, or become a singer or rapper or whatever, you're now lucrative, you've got endorsement, right? You are less inclined to put those assets on the line for the group. Even if you know, right, it's right. Because you don't want to lose those endorsements or to lose your contract or in the case of Colin Ka Kaepernick, be barred from playing football. He paid a price. Although years later, it turned, it turned out everybody agreed with him. He's right. But nobody wanted a to put their livelihood on the line because most black Americans come from what I call humble beginning because why? They have no asset. There was no inheritance because of these laws that the liberty locked out our parents, 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 but America was up and coming. We were denied from participating in it. And so if we don't fight for reparation, right, for those who are not yet born, it's not going to benefit you and I, right? It's really for our folks who are not born, that they can have a new deal, that they can have a different out outcome than us. So we really are fighting for those young black American babies who have not even been yet conceived. And so we need to really keep in mind why we're doing this here. We want to make sure that future generations are not a permanent underclass as many of us are today. And so that's why I've come to the conclusion that for all the reasons I've done, and I will uh, recommend to you that for more for more for more information, uh, a book by Dr. Darity, a PhD economist out of MIT, called "Reparation for the American uh, for Black America in the 21st Century." Again, for more information for more information on reparation, I would suggest that you read a book by uh, Dr. Dar by Dr. Uh, Darity called "Reparation for Black America in the 21st Century." He is a PhD economist. He specialized in reparation. He lays out the case why reparations do is old, old now to our community. And again, it's not a gimme. It's not a handout. You're not begging for you're not begging for something that you're not owed. We were harmed by these laws, harmed, and that disadvantage is with us today. And so, although a few might be doing okay. The group as a whole is constantly stuck on the bottom. Any meaningful, measurable category that measures quality of life shows that American-born blacks are dead last. Education, dead last. Homeownership, dead last. City, state, federal contract, dead last. Health, dead last. Any measurement that measures quality of life, our group is dead last. And also I'd recommend for more, more information, this report called the Kerner, Kerner Report, Kerner Report, that came out after 68 rides. And it lists all the symptoms that caused that ride. And 50 years later, they had a follow-up. Again, for more information, you can also read it yourself. Called the Kerner Kerner Report. Kerner spelled K-E-R-N-E-R -E report. 50 years later, came out in 2018.
And it said that the American blacks are in the same position they were that led up to the 1968 riots. Nothing has changed except for where they got a few more folks who have, who are educated. Which goes to show you, right, that education alone is not going to a alter our condition. And in, their, in the report, it's very clear about the fact that our group has made no progress. The same issues that triggered the six-day rise are the same issues that we are facing today. 50 years later now. And I contend that the reason that that is, after Dr. King was murdered, had some laws passed, the 64 Civil Rights, Civil Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, from action came in uh, under Nixon. There's also, you know, the term minority, you know, and a few folks started, you know, get job with the city, the state, etc. Some went to Harvard and Yale. And there was a backlash starting in the 70s with the, with the uh, Bakke case, calling, right, reverse discrimination. You might recall that, reverse discrimination. And the Supreme Court struck down two important provisions in affirmative action that was set aside in quota, meaning that anybody who received federal funding dollars had to set aside a quota for black businesses. As I read that, I said, wouldn't it be something if that ordinance would have stayed intact? That meant that, A, you could have grew black businesses. You could have grew wealth. You could accumulate wealth, let's just say. But because that was struck down because of reverse discrimination, right, what they allowed was diversity. What has diversity done to uplift the group? Not a thing. And in fact, diversity has done nothing for us. So again, if we're not fighting for reparation, I think we are foolish. I think we are citizens of our children to a life of being a permanent underclass, which we are today. And these are for our kids who are not even yet born. So I'm going to take a break and come back in a minute. Again, I'm your host, Larry Higginbottom. You listen to, you listen to WBCA 102.9 FM. The name of the program is Observation of Trenches. Today's topic is reparation is the only solution to close the racial wealth gap. I'll be back in a minute. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. I'm back, Boston. Again, I'm your host, Larry, I'm your host, Larry Higginbottom. You listen to WBCA 102.9 FM Boston, the name of our show is Arthur Victim of the Trenches. Today's topic is reparation is the only solution to close the racial wealth, close the racial wealth gap. And again, let me preface, preface this here by saying again, I am not against any group. 
I'm not against no group. I have no extra grind. I am not out to uh, cause uh, friction or, you know, confusion. I'm just for the group who's always given the most, America born black. We've always given the most, but always gotten like the least. I'm for the group that's fought in every war this country ever had, including the war for independence, and was put back into bondage. I'm for the group who's been the most loyal and devoted of all people here, but yet still has been constantly locked out of participating and thriving and prospering in America. I have no extra, I have no extra ground with no group. I'm not against no group. But I want to just focus my energy and effort on a group that has now become a permanent underclass. And that's proven. That's fact. Every meaningful category that measures quality of life, my group, American born blacks, are dead last. Homeownership, last. Education, last. Health, last. Contracts, be it city, state, federal, or private, last. Everything that measures quality of life or being comfortable in America, my group, although here more than three years, dead last. If anybody needs some attention, if anybody needs, you know, someone to advocate on their behalf, if anybody needs, you know, if any group needs a new deal, it's definitely American-born Blacks. And also, I think it's disingenuous and somewhat, uh, you know, distracting to couple us to Hispanic or the brown community. And the reason being, although things might be despicable in their country, right, but they've been coming for the last 30, 40, 50 years on their own, voluntarily. We were disadvantaged or disenfranchised by laws. Not one law in the book made those Hispanics, Haitians, or anybody, right, impoverished or destitute or denied access to prospering. Our laws didn't do that to them. They came here in that condition. So to, when you speak about the plight of a, Black Americans always speak about Hispanic. To me, it's, it's, a, it's a disservice to us. And the reason being, we as a community was never made whole by the 1964 Act of Civil Rights. Never made whole. Never made whole by affirmative action. Never, been, never, been, never made whole by the term minority. Go keep in mind, again, for more information, if you were to look at the 1960 census, the folks in America in the 1960 census, right, it was 99.1% whites and niggas. These other groups were not even here in any meaningful number. Versus very, very, very few Caribbeans. Versus no Africans. Folks from India. Right? Spanish-speaking. Because Why? America was a white man's country. The most folks who got here were mostly white European and folks from Canada. These other group was not even here with Dr. King was out there fighting for our, on our behalf. 
So when I hear folks want to always lump us with the Hispanic community, that to me is disingenuous. Because we were hurt and disenfranchised by laws. They came here impoverished. They came here destitute. You see the news for the last two or three years. Our laws did not hurt them. Our laws not the reason why they impoverished. That's not our laws didn't do that. But all the research showed that what hampered and crippled American-born blacks was 267 years of enslavement, followed by another 100 years of Jim Crow. All laws. And when the laws was passed in the 60, the 1964 Act of Civil Rights, the Voting Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, okay, from reaction, all right, those ordinances were initially intended for the not for Spanish-speaking, Caribbean, Africans, folks from India or Asia. And by some unfortunate twist of fate, we've allowed everybody to come under this here tent that was never intended. Linda Bain Johnson never intended anybody to be on this tent. But the and for more for more information, if you were to go to Google and punch in uh, Howard University in 1965 and listen to LBJ commencement speech, you hear exactly when he rolled out from reaction who he meant it for. I'm going to paraphrase here. He said that America has failed. He talked about our plight and our condition and how America had treated us. But he also mentioned some very important points. He said, because of slavery and Jim Crow, he named our dilemma because of slavery and Jim Crow for hundreds of years, right? This ordinance is really to give them an opportunity to participate in American society. He didn't mention white women. He did not mention Spanish. He did not mention Asian. He did not mention Africans, uh, Caribbeans, folk moved from India. He mentioned the American. And he named our dilemma. Because of centuries of enslavement and a century of Jim Crow. That's why it came about. And unfortunate, because language matters, we did not spell out in affirmative action who it was for. The Act of 1964 Civil Rights Act, it doesn't list who it is for. It says based on race, gender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, language matters. And because there was no specificity, all right, anything and everybody now can come under and benefit from ordinance that initially came onto the books to address centuries of enslavement and a century of Jim Crow. So again, if we're not fighting for reparation for our children, 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 we're foolish. Because they not, they won't have a chance because why? Many of us don't have any inheritance to leave them. 
And I read another report by economists that stated that as baby boomers die off, they're estimating between seven to eighty trillion dollars. Seventy to eighty trillion dollars will be transferred to the heirs. Now think about that now. As these people, right, are moving to the next life, that means their heirs, right, come into this, this large sum of assets. That's a that's a serious advantage. With my children, your children, right? Don't have that because we was locked out when America was up and coming in a virgin territory. Now, keep in mind, we were always here before she become fully, before she became fully, fully developed. We were here. But because of laws that denied our parents, 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 parents access, there was no inheritance. So now in the coming years, as baby boomers die off, their offspring, their sons and daughters, are going to inherit these large sums of capital. And your kids won't. Not begrudging anybody. Not against anybody. But to address that wrong and to have restorative justice, the federal government is responsible for our dilemma. Because why? Your laws allowed what happened to us to happen. Because people only do what government allows them to do. Who's responsible? Federal government. Federal government. And so again, if we're not pushing for a new deal, if we're not pushing for a do-over for our group, your sons, our sons and daughters, I are going to start as a permanent bottom class, underclass with no wealth. And economists have shown that the things that we was told that would a bridge that gap, more education, home ownership, savings, mimicking of the immigrants, you know, financial literacy, all those things we was told, economists have now proven they would not bridge the gap that was created by 267 years of slavery and 100 years of black holes. They won't bridge it. So what it means to you and me, neighbor, that the only crime your kid and mine has, the only crime they have, is that they are being born into a permanent underclass with no wealth or no assets. And so again, for them to be competitive out here, right? You're not going to be able to do well if you don't have wealth. And our country, America, is a great, great country. She really is. And you are, you can become very comfortable in our country when you have sufficient wealth to be comfortable. And that's something that our group, America-born blacks, have never experienced. To have sufficient wealth to be comfortable. You know, you know, you know, you don't need to be making millions of dollars a year or be a billionaire to be comfortable in America. If you're earning one, two, or three, six figures, you can be very comfortable in the country that we built into the rich country, into the rich country in the world. You really can. But you can't get there 
with no assets. You look around the whole eastern coast, all you see is development. All you see is capital, capital, capital. New building. All you see is building. Boom, 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 boom. That's capital. That's wealth at work. None of those buildings do America more than blacks own. None of them. And because many are denied from the trades, you are not even reaping the benefit of the high income that comes from organized labor. So the town is booming, money's flowing, but most of our people, right, either on Section 8 or working some low-income job because their skill base is low. And in fact, gentrification is here. Many of our folks now have to move down to Fall River or Taunton because rents are cheaper there than the city. So many of our folks can't even afford to be here anymore. Lack of wealth, baby. Lack of wealth. And so if we don't understand that we're not fighting for a new deal that is specifically aimed at us only, O-N-L-Y, we foolish. Anything called universal, meaning for everybody, you know, anything called universal policy is not going to do anything to uplift our group. Nothing. King has been dead for over 50 years. We've been now just, you know, universal policy, universal policy, universal policy, everybody, everybody, everybody. It's done nothing to address our unique needs. Nothing. And if you don't aim policy at us only, it's not going to do anything for the group, which means that your children, who are not even yet conceived, are going to be born into a bottom class, a bottom caste. And so reparations is up to us to fight for that. It's not up to other groups, up to American-born blacks. And the reason being, these other groups, although they might be black and speak English, right, they do not view race in the way that we do. They have not been subjected to race in the way that we have. And the reason being, independence. Most of these individuals from the Caribbean or Africa or South America, etc., right, have been independent for decades. So think about this here. Take uh, Nigeria. They got the independence from Britain in 1960. They started coming to America in the late 2000s. That means for 40, 50 years, racism has no meaning in their, what, mental data bank. Nothing. The folks who are harming them, denying them, are what? Fellow Africans. So racism has no meaning to them. Take Jamaica. Again, got its independence in the 1960s. So when they started to come here in the 2000s, right? Racism, as we know it, has no meaning to them. So you're looking for folks to become allies, right? And there's no bond, there's no bond that binds you together. Because it doesn't exist in their country. Same with Trinidad, South Africa, 
Cape Verde, South America, Central America. Spain left those countries in the 1800s. So racism has no meaning to them. All the Spanish speaking that you see come across the border, they're not coming, they're not writing from racism. Even before, you know, the so-called gangs in those countries, you know, uh, took over. It was folks who looked like them. So classism might exist, that's true. But racism, the way we know it, racism, the way we know it, we are the only group under the sun who would never ever know what it's like to not be under the control yoke or just uh, at the mercy of the white community. They own all of the all the assets and all the resources. They control that. Because racism is about power. Power. Well, one group has power over another group. As a black American, I might not like well, I might not like white folks as being prejudiced, but I can't stop it from I cannot prevent them from going where they want to go, getting jobs, living where they want to live, getting financed, etc. But they show can stop my group. Racism is about power. So when these, these other groups come here, right, they have, they have no meaning to them. It has no meaning to them. So we must stop looking for allies where there's, where there's no connection there. The fight for reparation is our fight, baby. It's our fight. And we need to really come to terms with that. This is our fight. And you're really fighting for our children. Those who have not even yet been conceived. What type of life you want to leave them? You want to be a bottom cast as you are? Many of our folks, right? Let's be honest, right? Income-wise, they're making, what, 30, 40 grand growth. Most are, most are on some kind of public assistance. Come on now. That's not wealth. And so you're working. That's true. But you got no wealth. In a society based on capitalism, where wealth is essential, you got none. And you're not going to leave no inheritance to the next generation. So again, I'm proposing that we need to really, really, really pump the brakes and look the need for why we must fight for reparation. It's not against white people, not against anybody. It's a dead old. The same with the Jewish community. It's a dead old. The same when the Japanese, right, was, was in prison. It was a dead old. There's a dead old to black Americans. Dead old. And also, I would like to put it out in the, in the atmosphere. Yes, a check is warranted. But I would hope that the bulk of those funds would be used to fund institutions that caters to black American life only. What do you mean, Larry? Meaning that, you know, there'd be uh, departments that, that specialize in educating black American children only. Departments specialize in getting mortgages for black Americans only. Securing city, state, federal contract bus only. Uh, family preservation. Looking at our families. Uh, probably look at our, you know, mental health only. And again, disparaging no group against no group. No, 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 actually grind against no group. But we need our own 
department that specialized on us only. The same as the department that specialized on, on Native Americans only, we need our own department that specialized on Black Americans only. Begrudging nobody, disparaging nobody, against nobody, no actually grand against nobody. But we need to be focused on us only. Us only. Because we are in such a predicament that universal policy on any level, be education, job, whatever, has failed. It's failed. It's failed. And no one's been made worse off than us. Because while we was already worse off, it's just what compounded, exacerbated our, our position. So I recommend that we focus on ourselves, the other, the other groups focus on themselves, and where there's the apartment, right, where it caters to black American life only. And while I'm at it, we should also have our own classification. We must come out from being called minorities, people of color, etc., because it dilutes our position. When you say minority, you just lumped in there with everybody else. Unless the data is deaggregated, that's the word, deaggregated, where you can see each group position, you can see how it affects Caribbean, African, Spanish-speaking, women, etc. Unless you have the data that's deaggregated, you really can't get a good sense or clear picture of where people are. We need our own classification whereby it distinguishes us from black Caribbean or black Africans or any other group. We need our own classification. We cannot afford to be lumped in on minority. Or when that term first came out, it only meant us, but it's been totally not usurped. Everybody now is under that term. We must also fight to have our own classification with the census. Whereby when you say, you know, for example, American descent of slaves, you know you're talking about us. Not Caribbeans, not Africans, not Spanish, but American-born blacks. We must have our own designation. And the data must always be deaggregated. To get a clear sense of where you are, where the groups are, you must have that data deaggregated. Otherwise, you get the illusion that you're doing better than what you are. And when you look around, you're being further and further and further pushed to the bottom. So again, I'm going to take a break. I will be back in a minute to get some of your host, Larry Higginbottom. And you're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM. Name of the show, Observation from the Trenches. Topic today, reparation is the only solution to close the racial, racial, racial wealth gap. I'll be back in a second. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. 
I'm back, Boston. Get number your host, Larry Higginbottom. You're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM. Name of the program is Observation from the Trenches. I'm your host, Larry, Larry Higginbottom. Today's topic is reparation is the only solution to close the racial wealth gap. And let me again, by preference, by saying this here. I'm not against any group. I'm not disparaging any group. I have no, no axe to grind. I'm just for the group that's always given the most, always got back the least, American born black. I'm for the group who's been the most loyal and devoted to this country. Got nothing, American born black. I'm for the group that fought in every war this country ever had, including the war for independence, still thrown back in the bondage. And the reason being, I want to focus my energy and effort on, on my group. My group now is a permanent underclass. Now think about it. We have been there since 1619. That's 403 years. 403 years. But yet and still, right, every category that measures quality of life, we are dead last. So who needs more attention? And please, 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 please don't say Hispanics. They came voluntarily on their own. Our laws did not impoverish them. Our laws did not forsake them from participating in society or the economy. Our laws are not the reason why they are destituted or in poverty or broke. Our laws are the reason why American-born blacks have no wealth. No inheritance, all by laws. And in fact, the laws that came about from the civil rights era was looking to right to readdress that, that those wrongs. So you should never, ever, 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 ever put yourself in a category with Hispanics, not disparaging them, you know, not trying to be mean spirited, but they are not us. They are not us. We are the only group here that was here when America was what I call a virgin, untapped land and got nothing. And now that she's fully developed, fully developed, you're not going to be able to make up for this huge gap in wealth with a job program, education program, home ownership program, any kind of program. You're going to need comprehensible initiative aimed at American-born blacks only to address this huge, huge gap. And so again, I'm not here to demean anybody. I'm not against anybody. I have no extra grind against nobody. My focus and energy is on the group who's given the most and always gotten back the least. American more black. That's why I say reparation is the only solution to close the racial the racial wealth gap. And even once it once it become law, it's going to take decades and centuries for this gap to close. Economists are saying that. Economists are saying that. That's a fact. And also, I want to add, we should not be deterred or saddened if people say. Out of your mind. 
That never happened. What I, what I want you to consider this here. When Dr. King was out there, right, at the height of physical violence, people said the same thing to him. You will never, ever, ever change this here paradigm. Never. Even preachers was not with Dr. King. Lay people, ordinary, ordinary people was not with Dr. King. But he had what I call critical mass. He had a critical mass of people, right, who's willing, right, put their shoulder to, 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 to the plow and keep on pushing. Take the, uh, you know, community. Well, they started in the, in the mid-60s. And New York said, no, no, no. We are coming to the fore. I'm sure many of the community members were not eager to get out front. Many probably did not. It took them 60 years, 60 years of constantly being out there, right, before laws was passed in 2015 that made same-sex marriage legal. Now, everybody will celebrate gay pride. So the point I want you to consider when fighting for reparation, you're going to have families and friends say the same thing. You might have prominent celebrities come out against it. But do not be disheartened. Your cause is just and is righteous. Your job and my job is to make sure that we stay the course, educate people as to why this debt is old, let the data and the research speak for itself, and keep chipping away, keep on keeping on. Because nobody would have ever imagined back in 1980, 1990, 1940, that you'd ever have same-sex marriage in, in America. Nobody would ever imagine that you'd ever have, right, civil rights. Where blacks can go to this club, that restaurant, sleep here, walk here, work there. Never, never would imagine that in 1920, 40, 50, 60, whatever. But thank God our group kept on pushing. So you should not be deterred. I should not be deterred. It doesn't matter when the naysayers say, never will happen. It doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter. If our cause was not righteous and justified right, that's one thing, but it is. There's a dead old here. And all economists have pointed to the fact that what was done to America-born blacks were crimes against humanity. And just like our Jewish community was compensated, Japanese community was compensated, our community must be compensated for those wrongs. And the federal government is the culprit because it allowed that to happen. It allowed that to happen. And so if we don't understand, if we don't fight for it, we ain't getting nothing. But more importantly, your children, children, children is not getting anything. What we're really fighting for are those who are not even yet born. That they will have a better tomorrow than what we have. Because America requires a certain level of wealth to be comfortable. It's a great country. No doubt about it. It's a great country. And when you have sufficient wealth to be comfortable, America is a great place to be. Hear me now. It's a great place to be. And when you don't, you struggle. Isn't it time that we demand what amounts to a Marshall Plan? 
May I recall the Marshall Plan was used in World War II by America to rebuild Europe. That's right, rebuild Europe. Well, America-born blacks need a Marshall Plan that only is aimed at us only. O-N-L-Y. And we cannot be timid to say that. Timid, we cannot be timid. Nothing universal is going to do anything to change our condition. Nothing's going, nothing is going to do that. Only have initiative aimed at, 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 at us only is comprehensible. Will in the decades, mm-hmm. centuries to come, offer things for our children. Our fight today is not for us. It's for our children. Those have not yet been, been conceived yet. And we need a Marshall Plan that caters to black Americans, but it must be designed by folks down here in the trenches. Not by the so-called well-educated or the well-educated or the well-connected, but by the folks in the trenches who know what we need. It must be administered by us in the trenches, local people. Where the federal government guarantees it and enforces it, it should not be left to the local level because why the states have always, always treated us what terribly. None that involves us should be left to the states at all. But we need the Marshall Plan because anything short of that, we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. So again, as I wrap up, I want you to just keep this in mind. Don't be deterred by families and friends who start to ridicule you, taunt you, or say you're crazy. They say it about they say they say it to, to Malcolm, to Martin, to call him crazy. I'm sure I'm sure in the community folks say they was crazy. I'm sure I'm sure of that. Families and friends say you you crazy, but they kept the course. They stayed the course. So I'm asking you. The state, of course. But we got to understand preparation is old. It's not something that, you know, you're begging for. You know, it's the old, it's a debt. It is a debt. So I hope you found this here entertaining and also, you know, you know, educational. I'll be back next week with another episode of Things Affecting Our Community. I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless you. And uh Stay safe. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, Call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.